Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Once again, we turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I want to ask you, if you will, to join me in prayer. I'm going to need it this morning. Uh, Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we just thank You so much for Your great love. And Lord Father, we just praise You for Your Word and how it is building us up and how Your Word is is, uh, moving and working in our lives and how uh, we seek to become more like you and more like Christ in our everyday life. And Lord, help us to grow, help us to learn, help us to apply your word appropriately. Lord, help us to walk in your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today is a subject like uh, several weeks ago that is not always the easiest thing to cover Uh, uh, As we move into a new section of Scripture, we're looking at a passage of Scripture that has brought about a lot of controversy, especially as we get get into our modern history of understanding of roles between men and women. I I remember back in the year 2000, that's 20 years ago, it's hard to believe that uh, I can remember all my life wondering what in the world is the world going to be like in the year 2000, I, I, I think I was kind of like a lot, of, a lot of newspaper people back in the 50s thinking about the year 2000 and how we'd have flying cars and clothes that didn't have to be washed and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and now it's 20 years ago, or uh, more than 20 years ago. I, uh, I was going to the Southern Baptist Convention back then on a regular basis and my brother and I went, uh, my brother uh, ministered in a church in North Carolina, still does, uh, but a different church uh, than the one he was at uh, 20 years ago. We, were, uh, uh, we went to go to the convention together to save money, to kind of use uh, uh, each other as a, a means of stretching our convention dollars because uh, neither one of us had a whole lot of money and uh, the church has provided some, but uh, when you go all the way out to Salt Lake City, Utah, where it was that year, uh, that's a lot of money that you have to spend on a car and, and air travel and, and hotel and, and food and all that kind of stuff. And So I, I remember uh, we didn't get a, 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 a car except for one day when we went exploring uh, during our downtime, but... Uh, we walked from our hotel to the convention center, and then the, uh, right next to the convention center was a, a mall, and we would go over there to get our lunch, and we'd eat in the food court to stretch that much, you know, stretch those dollars, and ate some of the most uh, delicious, but probably non-nutritious food, you know, uh, the uh, the fatty foods that are. are uh, Usually the best tasting, but uh, not the best for you. But uh, anyway, we were, I remember uh, that was the particular year that the Southern Baptist Convention decided to vote on a change in the Baptist faith and message. 
the prior change was back in the 60s and uh, the desire was by Adrian, Adrian Rogers and many of the others in, in the con, uh, conservative resurgence to try and bring our association back to, uh, to a greater understanding of Scripture. Now, it wasn't that that there was a whole lot different in Scripture or anything like that that, that caused us to change the the, uh, the Baptist faith and message. And, and you have to remember, if you're not familiar with uh, Southern Baptists, we don't have a creed, we don't have a certain uh, set of rules that make us Southern Baptists, but we have a common uh, understanding of Scripture that we come together and we kind of say to the world, this is what we believe. And that's what the Baptist faith and message and uh, that one of the biggest changes to the Baptist faith and message in the year 2000 was the understanding of the role of men and women in the family. It didn't seem like a big deal to us because we were just trying to clarify the role of men and women in the family a little bit better than it was before. But the media, of course, uh, they, they like to get a hold of things and they like to stir up controversy or else there's no sense in them being there. So uh, they stirred up the controversy. And I, I remember standing in the, in the mall there at the food court waiting to get my lunch. And I, there's a line because there's a lot of people that had the same idea. And uh, uh, a woman comes up to me. Now, why she picked me, I don't know. But uh, she came up to me and she said, How dare you seek to tell us women what we should and shouldn't do? You just want us to be barefoot and pregnant in the, in the kitchen all the time. And I said, No, ma'am. <laughs> it ain't me. <laughs> that's not who. That's not what we're saying, and that's not what we're trying to say. And but she'd been convinced that that's exactly what our our convention was voting on uh, to try and revert the understanding of women to an archaic understanding of what their role is. But rather, uh, I said, no, ma'am. I said, if you look at at the scripture that we're looking at, and and of course, uh, she was most likely a, a Mormon. Uh, she didn't have an understanding of our scripture. I agree with you. It's tough. It's a tough decision to make uh, uh, to follow scripture, but. Uh, her her understanding was distorted by what the media was saying, and and we weren't we weren't saying that we were saying, uh, and I said to her, no, ma'am. I said actually, what I'm saying is is that men have the the awesome responsibility of caring for a woman that desires to follow God's will through obedience. But the man's responsibility is so much greater to the woman. I said, if you'll look at the Scripture that we focus on, I said, you'll see that the man is called upon to give his life for his spouse. Well, that immediately changed the tenor of her understanding. And we're going to look at this Scripture today. And I want you to remember, as we uh, focus on women and the role of wives in the family, that... Ladies, we're not going to focus only on you all the time and just leave the men out, okay? Understand the men are going to get walloped up good, so you just have to come in a couple of weeks when we get to the men. But uh, but we're going to look at the role of women in the family today and God's pattern for wives, and we're going to look at that. And it starts in verse uh, verse 21 in chapter 5, and it says... 
submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, let me ask you that this before we get any further. Did it say anything about men and women yet? No, it says submitting yourselves. Uh, hopefully that's men and women together in the fa- uh, family. Yourselves one to another. So this isn't saying that women are the only ones to submit. It says men are sub- to sub- be, uh, have a submissive role to their spouse, to their wife. And we'll see what that entails when we get to it. And, uh, but God's design for marriage is to be the very best that life has to offer. But because of the, uh, the fall of man, because of the curse of sin that is, it has been a part of the human condition since the garden, we have all sorts of distortions and misunderstandings of, of the relationship between men and women. We have all sorts of, of, of uh, changes to God's order and desire. It has been that way for many people. We have uh, in our families bickering. We have unforgiveness. We have uh, uh, bitterness and separation and discontent and divorce. And what we want to understand is, is if we follow God's desire, if we follow God's design, we, won't, we might not have a perfect relationship or a perfect marriage, but it will be so much better than the type of relationship that we have on our own. Isn't it worthwhile to listen to the designer, to the creator, to the originator of marriage, to find His desire for what marriage is supposed to be than Oprah or somebody else that might come along and try and tell us what marriage is supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, out of stupidity of our own conceited thought that we are wise in what we are saying. Rather, we need to look to the one who designed marriage and created marriage. Back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, God's curse for sin came upon humanity because of our turning away from God. And, and in that curse, women want to rule as uh, the... Per, uh, as the man uh, in their life rather than being submissive. And men want to overpower and subdue, subdue women and crush them, probably because they're, trying to, uh, they're being uh, overpowered by their relationship to men. The basic thing to understand is, is in the fallen world and our relationship uh, to men and women to each other is not one of lifting one another up, which is what God's desire is, and what God's plan is, and what God's uh, uh, manufa- uh, making of, of marriage is for each of us to lift each other up. But rather, when, when sin enters into our life, when sin enters into, our, into the world, we seek to have dominance over any, everyone else. And so uh, men want to dominate women. Women want to dominate men. We all consider ourselves to be right. So we want to tell everybody else what to do and what, what they should be like and everything. And all of this is the distortion of what God's design is for a relationship of submitting one to another. As it says in verse 21, it says, uh, submitting yourselves to one another. What, where in that 
statement of submission is there anything about domination, of powering over, of subduing? Nowhere. And what we have to remember is that all important verse of verse 21 while we're reading verse 22, 23, and 24. We have to remember that we are to submit to one another, submit as God's desire for one another. And there's a lot of other things that are trying to destroy our marriages, destroy our relationships, destroy any kind of of relationship that we have with one another. Not only do we see in Genesis chapter 3 the curse of sin entering into our lives, but in chapter 4 of Genesis we see polygamy coming in, which is a destruction of God's order and design for what marriage is supposed to be. Then in chapter 9 we see the uh, origination of pornography and the destructive uh, nature of pornography on a relationship. Then chapter 16 we see adultery and how adultery is destructive and 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 uh, toxic to a relationship. Chapter 19 we see uh, a perversion of of marriage and perversion of relationships between man and woman with homosexuality. In chapter 34, we see the the outright uh, destruction of marriage with fornication and the implications of that. In chapter 38, we see the, the introduction of incest and prostitution that is a, uh, a further destruction and distortion of marriage. And then in chapter 39, we have uh, finally seduction and its uh, powerful uh, destructive behavior on marriage. And so what are we talking about when we talk about submission? When we come to an understanding of what God's desire is for marriage, what are we really talking about when we say submit? May, uh, uh, we skip over chapter uh, verse 21 uh, where God is telling us that we are to submit to one another and we jump in straight into verse 22 and, and read all kinds of implications of what that means rather than what it really means. We, we, we forget about God's loving guidance of submitting one to another to all of a sudden, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and as He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, the, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. And what this lady in, in that mall back in the year 2000 uh, was coming at me, she said, all you want to do is, is make women a, a, a mat for you to just wipe your feet all over and, and uh, tell them they have to submit to everything that you have to see. Say you want to be some kind of sultan that sits back and be waited on hand and foot. No. That's not what the word submit there means. I said to her, you've got, a, you got it all a misunderstanding of what submission is. It's not about... Uh, in fact, some of your texts may even have the word submit there in italics. <coughs> 
Usually whenever a, 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 a translation of Scripture has a word in italics or some kind of uh, denotion of, of something different about that word, it means something is, is going on here with that word. And a lot of times when a word is in italics in your Scripture, it's there to make things smoother to understand. And what that is, is really means is that word's not in the original text. The word submit there in verse 22. It's not there in verse 22 because it's in verse 21. It means, it's like... Uh, if you talk about the sky's blue and you talk about other things about the sky, the understanding is still that it's still blue, right? Okay, and that's what this is going on here in, ver- in verses 21 and 22. Submit is not in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands where it says in verse 22, uh, wives, let me get it here. Wives, submit, that word submit there is not in many of the original texts because it is understood in verse 21, submitting yourselves. So he says it's like a pastor coming together with a man and a woman that wants to get married and he's counseling them. And he says, folks, you're going to have to submit to one another in your relationship. Now, and then he turns to the young lady and he says, you need to understand your role with your future husband. And then he later talks to the fella and say, you need to understand your relationship to your future wife. Is the, the fact of submission off the table at that point? No. It's all a part of the context of what uh, the pastor would be saying to both of them. And that's what Paul is doing here. The subject to uh, to uh, uh, the the relationship is all about in submission. Now you need to also understand that she's subject to her husband. This doesn't say anything about women need to be subservient to every man that they meet, every man that's in their life, every man that is a part of society. No, that is submission in her role in the family. And that's what we're really talking about here is the order of God uh, in His setting up the family. He says uh, Christ is the head of the church, Christ is the head of the family, then the husband is submissive to Christ and, and is serving Christ and, and following His leadership. The woman follows the leadership of the husband who's following the leadership of Christ. And so that's what the order here is and what uh, Paul is trying to say. And, and look at what it says. Submit to your own husband. That's a possession. That's talking of possessing that husband. She possesses him, yet she submits to him. And what is occurring here is is that it is according to God's will that she submit to that husband that she possesses. Over in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, there is a parallel to this, and it says it in almost the exact same way, but there is a word there that is used uh, that is not in this uh, uh, 
text in uh, Ephesians. And of course, Colossians is a, is a passage of Scripture that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. So he's teaching some of the same teaching that he's teaching here. But he says uh, that you are to uh, uh, do what is fitting, meaning appropriate, proper, right before God. And in Philemon, the, the word fitting there in another uh, passage of scripture that is a parallel to this teaching is uh, that Paul is tr- uh, uh, is trying to say is that in Philemon it says it is fitting meaning a legal binding contract and so what uh, is meant by this is that you are to do what is right and what in accordance to your relationship to your husband and it is a contract that you've entered into that relationship when you become a husband and wife it is not about submission in terms of being uh, uh, a doormat. It's not talking about submission in terms of the husband comes home and says, woman, where's my summer? Or, uh, uh, woman, give me my slippers. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. It, it's uh, You need to tell him, hey, go get your own slippers. You know where they are. Um, but what, what it is, is it is in terms of a relationship submitting to the authority under God. Th- uh, submitting under that relationship, relationally, under the authority of God. And, and what it does not mean to do just anything that your husband says. In fact, there's several instances in Scripture where uh, the wife does not submit to her husband because uh, that husband asks her to do something that is not according to God's will. We're not... God is not telling you ladies to submit to your husband that dishonors God in any way. You're to honor God in your submission to your husband and you're to honor God in doing the things that is honorable to God, not doing things that are dishonorable to God. In Acts, the apostles preached that even though the Pharisees said that they could not preach and could not uh, teach the message of Jesus Christ, they said... Hey, whether it's right or not to preach, we're going to let you you argue that out. But as for us, we're going to obey God. We're going to obey the command of God. And that is to go out and to share the gospel, share the message of Jesus Christ. And so there's that disobedience of doing something that does not honor or glorify God or follow God's direction. Esther, uh, over in the book of Esther, you have... uh, before Esther became queen, what caused the void was, remember Vashti was, uh, was called by the king and he, was call, uh, he called the queen to come in and, and uh, her name was Vashti and she refused to come out. It wasn't because uh, she was in the midst of her mud wrap or whatever and she didn't want to come out and see company. What she was asked to do by the king was to come in and perform a lewd dance before these uh, drunken men. And that's what she refused to do, not because she simply refused to come before the king when he called her, but he, uh, she was refusing to do that which was lewd and, and immoral. And that's what she was refusing to do. Well, that, that created a void and caused the situation for God to be glorified in the life of Esther uh, through that circumstance. Uh, so what we're talking about here is a humble spirit of loving submission come under, uh, coming under the leadership of your husband. It is a humble support, uh, a humble spirit of loving 
submission because of your submission to Christ. It is a submission that is rooted in the understanding of God's leadership and role in your life. And it should be an easy thing. It should be a, a something that is, uh, that is uh, part of your nature. But the problem that we have is, is the, uh, the part of sin in our lives that says, hey, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. And our, our inclination is not to want to do what other people say that we do, but we want to decide for ourselves what we want. And that's really uh, the problem and the difficulty that we have of coming under the lordship of God is understanding that we must not just uh, in our role and our relationship to each other, but most importantly, understanding that we need to uh, to submit to the authority of Christ, of God in our life, the authority of Christ in our life, and see uh, that's something that Jesus demonstrated in his submission to God in following God's desire for his life. And remember when he was uh, being tempted after being baptized in the wilderness, he was uh, tempted by Satan. And all three of those temptations were about skirting around what God had planned for uh, Jesus Christ and and the plan of God for Him to be the sacrifice for our sins and to go and atone for our sins on the cross. And all three of those temptations were about uh, subverting what God's desire was for Christ and doing His own thing so that He could get it either uh, without having to go to the cross or taking care of Himself rather than taking care of others and that kind of thing. So, we have to understand that we have to show submission to God, submission to Christ, submission uh, to His order and plan in our life. Look at Scripture once again. Um, there's uh, uh, not only this Scripture, but other Scripture that we need to understand uh, in, in our life. Turn over with me to uh, the book of First uh, Peter chapter... Uh, uh, 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. We have a similar uh, situation where we're called upon uh, to submit, be submissive in our lives. Uh, Chapter 2 of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governor as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. See, here's a situation where it's not uh, specifically directed to men or women, but for everyone that we are to understand that... Excuse me. In our life, from time to time, we have to understand there are certain situations where we must submit because we're following under falling under the order of God's plan for our life. In verse eighteen, it says that uh, servants uh, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good uh, and gentle, but also to the forward. So this is a situation where uh, even. Uh, in this uh, situation, Peter says, look, you need to understand that uh, slavery may be wrong. Slavery may not be something that we approve of. Uh, but if you find yourself in that situation, you need to uh, s- uh, submit to those who are authority over you as a way of expressing 
your desire to serve God, not necessarily to them, but uh, of being submissive to the will of God in your life at that moment. God has placed you in that situation and you need to understand uh, that uh, God has something in store for you. It also implies here in verse 18 about employers. Um, that we are to uh, be submissive in that situation and, and doing everything that we can uh, in order to demonstrate a godly attitude. In verse 21, uh, we see that uh, it says, For even hereunto uh, were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. Now, we've been talking about submission in this passage here. So what is the example that Christ is giving? His submission to God and God's plan in His life that He would endure the, the, the uh, atrocity of accepting the sin of mankind upon Him who knew no sin at all, that He might be uh, the propitiation or the payment, the only payment that can be paid for our sins. And so Christ is an example of, of the submissiveness of uh, to God's will and God's desire in his life in uh, showing that uh, he is willing to accept God's plan. In verse 21, it also says that, uh, uh, that it, this was to uh, a submission unto suffering. It's not always easy to, to follow under God's example. And it's not always easy to, to fo- uh, follow what God has in store for us, but uh, it says that we must submit. Verse ch- uh, Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Likewise, you wives. Here we go uh, in the example here. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not uh, the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Uh, so uh, what this is saying is, is basically, wives, if you find yourself in a situation where your husband's not doing uh, what God desires for him, in everything you can, be submissive to, to him and show uh, your obedience to God and show your willingness to follow under God's direction in your life and be a witness to your husband as long as it's not contrary to God's laws. Verse 2 and 3, it says, And while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, the, uh, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of uh, plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be in the hidden man of his heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament, uh, more, uh, ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great praise. So what we see here is virtue, purity, uh, and adornment of, of having gentleness and quietness as a way of demonstrating God's place in your life and, and being a witness. It says in verse 6, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, also uh, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any uh, amazement. So Sarah was an example of this uh, attitude of submissiveness and quietness to Abraham. And I imagine there's... Uh, can you imagine being... Now, we, we remember... This, uh, the account of Abraham and Sarah and how they left the Ur of Chaldees. Can you imagine the conversation between Abram and Sarah when they left the Ur of Chaldees? 
Where are we going? Well, I don't know. God's where, uh, but what, how can you know when we're there? Well, I don't know, but God's going to tell us. Now, wait a minute. You need to tell me you don't know where we're going? No, I don't know where we're going. Well, how, you need to know where we're going. Well, I'm just following what, where God wants me to go. Well, how can you know that you got there if you don't know where you're going? You know, does that kind of conversation come up, men, uh, in the car when you're driving around and your wife says, hey, do you know where you are? Do you know where, you, uh, are you, where we're going? Most of the time we men say, oh, yes, yeah, sure, well, I know, no. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, we have no clue. We have no idea. Well, it's, in this, in this, it's this way, right? Uh, even as far back as Abraham, Abraham, he didn't want to take out the map and look at the map and see where they were. Uh, he... he Y'all, y'all, y'all awake? Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. He does, he's he's they're they're sitting there and they're going along and Sarah is quiet and Abram's probably thinking, boy, she's too quiet. She's mess. She is mad because we don't know where we're going. Because ladies, you like to understand that your man knows exactly where they're supposed to go. Abram didn't know where he was going. He was just simply following God. And we need, to, we need to understand that submission to God is following His will, following His desire. Uh, women's... Uh, uh, you, you, listen. 1 Corinthians chapter three, uh, 11, excuse me, uh, verse 3. It says... Uh, uh, back up to verse 1. Be ye followers. This is chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Be ye followers of Me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember Me in all things and keeping the ordinances as I have delivered them unto you. So uh, Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, look, I appreciate the fact that you are following My uh, example as I follow Christ and you have remembered Me. He says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man and the, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or uh, prophesying have his head covered, uh, dishonored his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, uh, for that is even all uh, one as if she were shaven. What's going on here is, is that the women's lib movement had come into Corinth. And uh, what happened was is there were women in the church who were saying, well, we're free of the law. We're free of having to do certain things. We don't have to follow certain laws. So we're going to just simply take off our veil and take off uh, our covering when we go out and go places and do things. And uh, listen, this was not a matter of... Uh, of social norms or, or fashion or anything like that. This was a law that, that were, the women were supposed to be following uh, that's uh, established in Leviticus. And what it is, 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 is talking about uh, men, when you go and you, uh, uh, when you're praying, you ought to take your hat off and you ought to take your covering off of your head because it is an, uh, says here that it is disgraceful for the man to leave his hat on while he's praying. And for the ladies, you're not to uncover your head. They, they were talking about the veil, the covering. And what was happening was is that 
There are two classes of women who are taking their veils off in this circumstance. There were uh, the, uh, these uh, Christians who were, uh, were trying to, to exert their freedom in, uh, over the law, and they were saying, I'm just going to take my veil off and, and not do that. The other group were prostitutes, harlots. Now, that created confusion amongst people when they saw these Christian women that were taking their veil off. And, and uh, Paul was saying, this is, this is, uh, it, the veil was a symbol of submission and modesty. And when the, uh, these women were taking their veil off, it was uh, showing an a immodest uh, behavior uh, had nothing to do with simple law. It had er, has everything to do with submission to God and distinctions between men and, and women in their relationship to God and His authority. Verse 11 and 12 uh, of this uh, chapter talks about a mutual dependence. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman." but all things of God. He's saying, look, we're all subject to God and we ought to follow God's rules and desires for the man and woman in the relationship and in society. And nothing that you should do, no matter what liberty or what freedoms you have in your uh, your life as a Christian should uh, uh, distract from the glory of God. Nothing you should do should take away from the glory of God. And so uh, in doing this, these women were uh, taking away from the glory of God in their life and and they were making a mockery of, of their relationship to God. And so he was saying you need to be submissive to God and His understanding, uh, your understanding of your your place in life. What love, it gets all down to love in going back to Ephesians. Love means self-sacrifice. You know, we we have all kinds of understanding of of love in our society and our world today. Oh, I just... uh, And really what it is is a superficial puppy dog love or a superficial... A fleshly type of, of sensuality that has nothing to do with true love. True love is about self-sacrifice. True love demonstrated by Jesus Christ to sacrifice Himself for us that we might have a relationship with God, giving of Himself for us that we might have forgiveness of sins. Uh, real love in a relationship between a man and a woman is about self-sacrifice. Remember what it says in verse 21, submitting one to another. It is about devotion to the duty to which you've been called in your life of submission to your uh, spouse and su- submission to uh, the one that's in your life, both men and women in submission. So what is what is at stake? Ladies, if you say, well, I just don't want to submit to anyone. I, I'm, I have authority in my own life. I'm my own person. Nobody said you weren't. But what we're really talking about, what's at stake, is the role of God in your life. Who has authority in your life? You are God. Well, I don't like the idea that I have to be submissive to a man. Well, 
That's the the fault of sin in your life. What else is at stake? The authority of Scripture. Scripture has authority in our life. We ought to follow God's desire and design for our life and as He places it out in Scripture. If you say, well, well, this Scripture doesn't apply to me anymore because uh, it, it, that was thousands of years ago. Why should I have to follow what it says in Scripture from a thousand years ago? Well, from thousands of years ago, it also says in Scripture that Christ, in spite of our sin, went to the cross to take our place, to die, that we would have a relationship. It also says in Scripture, if you take away one Scripture, if you take away one part, you take away all of it. All the authority of Scripture evaporates if you take away the authority of Scripture in any aspect of your life. That means you wipe away the the part of Scripture that says, "In, uh, uh, in the depths of our sin, God loved us and sent Jesus Christ to take our place. You also take away that Christ has victory over death and the grave. You take away the fact that Christ uh, gave Himself for us that we might understand the grace and the mercy and the love of God. You take away one part You erase all of the authority of Scripture. What else is at stake? Scripture's diminishing effect on your life through disobedience. Today, more than 50% of women have abandoned the home and made their career more important than their family. Now, I'm not saying that you as a woman can't have a career and have an important part of that career in your life, but... 50% of women have made their career more important to them than their role in the family and their role in their children's lives, the lives of their husband. Home and children are at the greatest stake in our society, in our world. In fact, uh, uh, most of what is happening in our world is about saying to women, oh, you can... You, not only can you have a career, but you're just as important as anyone else. And you ought not to let children, you ought not to let a family life, you ought not to let a relationship uh, burden you in any way. You ought to just go out there and grab everything for you. You, you, you. Well, you know what that does? It destroys God's plan and purpose in your life. One of the first institutions in the family that was established by God after man and a woman having a relationship and, and bringing children into the world was that uh, uh, the establishment of the home school. A lot of you don't realize where schools start, but the schools start actually in the home where, where the, uh, the, the, the women, the wives and the grandmothers the great-grandmothers would be at home teaching all the children from the family about all the words of God, of all the messages of God. Most of Scripture uh, that's found in the Old Testament was part of oral tradition. Where do you think those children learned most of the oral tradition? It wasn't necessarily at the feet of their fathers 
who were out in the fields and who were doing work to sustain life in the family. It was at the feet of their mothers and their grandmothers who taught about the importance of the relationship that we have with God and how God is leading us in, in, a, in a relationship of grace and mercy and love. Not only is that the foundation for the modern secular school, but it's foundation for the modern Sunday school. And so what we need to understand is, is if you diminish that relationship of home and children and family in your life, then who's teaching your children? Not you, because you're not there. God's desire for you is not a, a diminished role of being the educator of your children and the, <coughs> the one who uh, is leading and guiding the children in an understanding of God's love. It is the promotion of your important role as for the legacy of the people of God for the next generation and future generations. That's what's at stake. So, we need to focus on our understanding of what it means when he says, submitting to yourselves one to another. Submitting to your husband isn't about bringing out his slippers and his evening coat when he comes home so he can be comfortable. It's about submitting to his leadership and guiding your family in relationship to God. That's the submission that we're talking about. And we'll talk about it a little bit more the next time when we come together. But we need to understand our, the desire of God is, is to lead us to an understanding of His love. And it begins with our role in the family of submitting one to another, submitting in His desire in our life. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we pray that You'd help us to understand Your perfect design for our family and that it comes out of love and a desire to, to demonstrate Your love towards us and a desire to perpetuate Your message of love from generation after generation. Lord, help us to be faithful to You. Lord, help us to have unity and uh, commitment to one another and submitting to each other as we submit to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.